This month, Capra will release their new album in transmission via Blacklight Media Records, mixed by Taylor Young and mastered by Brad Boatwright. The resulting album is reminiscent of late 90s and early 2000s hardcore and punk with a metal edge. With their venom spitting front woman and hard rocking riffs, it's hard not to be enamored with the lightning charged assault of these southern metallic hardcore devotees. Purchase your copy of In Transmission by Capra now at blacklightmediarecords.com slash Capra. Once again, In Transmission by Capra. Pre-order now, blacklightmediarecords.com slash Capra. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petr Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, 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 everyone out there. This is I, your host, Petr Spych. I am always joined by... You can call me the Red Scorpion. Why? And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. There's only one Red Scorpion. That's Dolph Lundgren. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Asshole. All right. And the Red, uh, the red Arachnid. The Red Arachnid. Arachnid. No, no. There's only one red arachnid, and that's Venom. Damn it. Go. He's black. <laughs> He's black. And white. <laughs> Who's red? Isn't there a red one? That's that's Carnage. That's, Carnage. Is that the bad Spider-Man? That's yeah. what. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's bad. That's the bad yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. close to it. Yeah. Okay. I killed both of his intros. And <gasps> across the table from me, I'm Sylvia, and I'm reminiscing about my spike bracelet I had in high school. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at it's the Sylvia. You still have it, don't you? I do. You just don't wear it. Yeah. I know. I, I, I get yeah. this game. And guys, make sure to follow our other co-hosts, Jocelyn Sharp. That's J O Z A L Y N Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, the Wizard of Jaws on TikTok. If you want to follow me, I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, we get to celebrate final release from Alexi of Chilton to Bodom. Bodom After Midnight's EP, Paint the Sky with Blood, is out April 23rd. And I get to talk to Daniel Freiberg about that record, guys, in a little bit. Super excited to chat with him. Love the songs on this record, so I'm just honored to promote the last works by him. But before we do that... Let's jump into the Metal Sucks news. Get the news in your mouth. Get the facts straight. Don't deliberate or I'll tell you fucking never. Get the news in your mouth. My dick is going in. You don't know where it's been. You better not bullshit me. True. Yes. Mm. And you hit the post. Mm-hmm. I mastered uh, this Look post. at you, buddy. I've mastered oh, it. Oh, loving it. I'm confident. Wow. So proud of you. I know. Except for, except for when he hits the news. That news. The, the lazy sounder that yes. he should never play again that he's played 70 times on the show. By know. the way, fans out there, I want everybody to know, Brandon just promised he will do a new news sounder next week. I just, uh, a I new news sounder is coming next image. week. All right. No, I need buy you. A new one from Brandon Hall. I got Next week, he's going to do a new news sounder. God damn it. I think I should. <laughs> I th- it's like I have to now because it's like, God, you know, Pete does all I the work. I made that up right now. Nobody he said did, anything. But then I feel bad because Pete does do all the work, and I'm like, here I am just like pushing buttons. <laughs> By the way, not, I know this is a weird callback, but. Um, I got an email, and we don't have to do the email sounder. But we got an email because we about the gay jokes for straight dudes bit. Yeah, and the and the dude was like, "You have to play that on the show because you guys talked about it. this is months ago." I feel you guys remember that. Yeah, yes, yes. So uh, I told him I will look for it. So if I find it, 
we'll play it. And it's funny because this is a bit that Brandon always brings up that we did on our uh, old version of Rise to Offend mm-hmm. that like changed his 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 land. What did you tell me this week? You're like it changed my view of well, comedy because or well, beca- it changed my view only because look, this was maybe seven eight years this ago, two thousand you know? like thirteen fourteen, and it's a bunch yeah. of straight guys, and all we're doing is like, hey, you know, you like dick and whatever, and yeah. it's like, and that was all the jokes for a minute, and then and it was me our other co-host and Pete and Pete used to write all these bits and they would be so bad until he wrote this gay jokes for straight dudes thing. And it was like, and then the second he did it, it was just, I just caught myself just sounding like a giant hack. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm not really, it's not even the fact that (laughs) it's not even the fact that the jokes were homophobic. It's just, they were bad. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm like, I'm done with this. I don't want to be this anymore. So Pete ruined it. The bit that uh, changed Brandon's viewpoint on jokes. Yes. And just like, but here's the thing though, just like, just like, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder changed my view on blackface. It was like that. It was like you, 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 it was so stupid. It was so ridiculous. No, and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, now I get why this is a bad thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the fucking part was so fucking funny. And then he was nominated for an Academy Award yeah. for that role. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So Hollywood got why that was a bad thing as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's praise it. Anyways, oh. um, I was, I'm still fine with it. I think it worked out fine. Uh, but I don't think people should do blackface. So let me just say that again. Okay. I feel like the way they handled it, I don't know, it worked. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'll you have to be on. Yeah. an Australian actor that's trying to go the extra mile. It was ridiculous. It was, dude. But that's what made it so great, though. And that's why yeah. that bit was so funny because it's like, you know, you're just. I'll find it, dude. Well, here's the thing. I don't you, know where it's at, man. Well, what ends up happening is, is like when a joke like that is made, you you have to look at to yourself. You have to be introspective, and you can either a go, oh, you got me. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Pete would write these bits, and he would do it for months, and we would just bomb on him Aww. for how bad they were. And then I, I did, a, I, I did like, song parodies for, like, The Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony. I did. <laughs> it was like, so bad. I mean, I dude. I want to find that one. I want to oh, hear yeah. it. If I could find the bad ones, I'll play them yeah, for people Pete has, show. Oh Pete has zero yeah. musical ability. Oh, like, that's great. Zero, I can zero, zero He's musical lying. ability. No, no, you can't. But I, I'm, just, I'm not kidding. But, but like, singing-wise, and, and yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, like writing lyrics and stuff. I'm like, he would try to write these lyrics. And I'm like, do you not understand structure? Like, oh, how no, the I don't. fuck? Oh, no. Like, but here's the thing, though. He has no problem writing a, a movie script or a TV script or yeah. something like that. He, he has great structure it's when it comes to that. Music but when part. it comes to something simple like music, to me, that's music's easy to me. You could write, uh, I could write a song. That's easy to me. Uh, but for Pete, it's like. It's just all over the place. The, 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 the lyrics are, it's like, it's like System of a Down, like had a Mountain Dew. You know what I mean? Where it just goes all over the place. And then my scripts and, and stuff that he's talking about are like, like really pretty much just, just, the, the, just structure. Yeah. structure. Very structured. structured. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I have a very good three arc structure in my storytelling. Yeah. I'm not messing with that. Very good. Listen to yeah, fucking yeah, Captain solid. Confident solid. over here. and like that. I, sell I, it. I, I, dude, I'm a craftsman in it. I'm good. <laughs> Loving oh, wow. that. Yeah. As far as songs go and See, bits. Here, no. And here's the thing. Like, he, uh, like we always try and do uh, like Rise to Offend. And I'll tell you, when I write out a Rise to Offend script, it takes me forever because I'm not good at that. So yeah. it takes Pete like fucking two hours. I and, would write a porn script because we'd have you know, porn actors on the show oh. and they would do the porn scripts for us. And I remember like, it was like, Hey, we're recording at 11 and I started at nine and I passed it out. Hit. Yeah. 
and we it was should like reenact some of those yeah, some I, of the porn scripts like <laughs> oh dude they were yeah he would just make up all these like retarded you know totally stupid fucking things <laughs> the they greatest the porn script reader uh in, in old school rto was sophia Locke. yes that's all yes, i got she was she great, was great. Uh, she the rest great. of the porn stars couldn't really read <laughs> yeah yeah it was but they rough. still worked out well i don't want to say that we had a couple no, good ones yeah, but for we, the most we, part it was yeah. pretty bad we had like one, we had like two of them that would come on the show one of them was really good the other one was like pulling sophia, teeth. sophia was great though. yeah 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 so um but doesn't, anyways doesn't do it anymore yeah, I know. Good. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad she, I'm glad she's out of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, the, uh, the, the point is, is that, man, we got segued. I will, the email, I will find the gay jokes for straight dudes bit. I will find it. Can you look for it, Brandon? I mean, find the I don't even know where one. it's at. I mean, we're going back oh, seven years, bro. And we, and it was like I'll every week it. we recorded a show. It's yeah, like, yeah. this is going to be. Okay. That's... Well, I'm going to, I'm going to look through like four old computers if i can find it my fear is is that i just did it in the comps i just did it in the in the editing bay at, at the radio station and i think i just passed it to you i don't know if i saved it is the point right you know so i'm gonna look for it because i feel like i was part of that one so i saved it all the other ones i let them die in a fire i don't know like we're talking <laughs> about the bad ones yeah we'll have to find that we'll have to find that but um yeah I'll, I'll look for it um and then we'll play it on the show and then you guys can See if uh, it really is as good as you sell it. I'm scared it might not be that good. It's probably not that good, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like, remember but it all I'm saying good. is, is like, it just show me that the times are changing. Yeah. And then I'm over here like, I'm over here like, yeah, you're gay. And I'm like, and then here's the thing. If I were calling Pete, like, oh, gay, Pete, you like dick. What if Pete were gay? And he's like, yeah, and? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess oh, that was I got the whole nothing. point of my I have nothing. Like, I, have, <laughs> I have nothing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah. so stupid. If we're, if we're living in a world of equality and I'm over here making fun of somebody for taking, you know, dick in their mouth and... I'm tr- I'm making it no, out. No, it's only like funny because you're telling uh, you're saying it to a straight guy. It's a weird, stupid dichotomy that's lived on for decades. Yeah, obviously it's changed. But the way it worked is that when when Rise to Offend was happening, it was Brandon and this other gentleman, uh-huh. uh, and they were the same and and same personality, same mm-hmm. jokes. So them saying it to each other was normal. And then Brandon brought me onto the show, I believe, to get made fun of no, for the most part. It was not to get made okay. fun of. It was to break it up because you were so different. Because I was different. Yeah. But eventually, yes, that I would call them out yeah. on their... on their. Uh... He did that one time. It's like that one time he did it. And here's the thing. I accepted it. And the other guy got really, really mad. mad. Yeah, he... Like really mad. Like it was just like... Like we attacked his whole artistic integrity yeah. and everything like that. He How got dare super you, I'm an pissed. His go to his go to was gay jokes for straight dudes, and the second he got called out on it, he was like hesitant to. Yeah, and then I, I don't think he even wanted to do the show that much after oh that. Oh my god! Yeah. Like seriously, I, I, I made him a better comic, and I made uh, the other guy. The other guy this piece. Of, what? I made him a better comic. Oh, he's responsible. No, I jump on my back. I mean, you. Were, 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 hey, you open hey, my eyes. Let me let me say this. You okay? open my eyes. Let's let's put this on tape. Did you did you have the punchline of any of your jokes before that bit? F a g g o t. Uh yes. <laughs> Did you have it after that bit? No. There you there, go. There was a change. Well, okay. I'm not gonna say after. I'm not gonna say <laughs> I did it. I, I think what it, yeah. I think what ended up happening was is I just ended up phasing it out. Yeah. And again, man, it's like you know when you're raised because of my bit. When you're raised, when you're raised, <laughs> when you're raised around nothing but white trash for so long, it just ends up you know. And, it's a part of you, right? And that's the thing. And it's like, and Pete's so not rock and roll. It's like you hear me like whatever nerd, but he's you know he's right. You know I mean I had. I had to give him. Yeah, I had to give him credit. Not rock and roll. Not punk rock. By by, by the definition of that, right? You know. But uh, I love it all. 
Right, of course. And, and, they, and I'm welcome with open arms But that's arms why you're structured. But, rock yeah. and roll is not structured. I got no tattoos. I got no structure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Rock and roll is no structure. Rock and roll has no structure whatsoever. So you bringing a little bit of structure to this show helps. Yes. You need structure. And that was Otherwise, it'd just be dicks. Yes. Dude, just yeah. Be Touching dicks. Yeah. other Everybody dicks. Everybody heard yeah. the episode I wasn't on. It was just talking about dicks, you three. Was it? Nah, nah, yeah, no, nah. no. It was a lot of dick talk. It was a lot of dick talk. It was funny. Not though. my fault, though. I wonder if, you know what? People write in. Here's the thing. Do you Jocelyn, prefer me not to do this? I'll, I'll just do the interview and have them do this. Jocelyn goes straight. Yeah, Jocelyn goes straight to the dick talk. And then it's like, we're just like, all right. you know. And then obviously she gets me going. And then Sylvia starts going. Everybody starts. And then all of a sudden, we're just... I am the Dick Talk stopper. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. what if there was an app called Dick Talk? I get it. We should make one. Yeah. Dick Talk. Dick Talk. Yeah. Dick Talk. Just be a bunch of dicks uh, doing movie lines and stuff. All right. Are you, yeah. guys ready? Yeah. Are you guys dancing. ready? Oh, my God. Dancing dicks. <laughs> I, I like this statement. I want to talk about a little bit of dancing dicks. Uh, Dancingdicks.com. I'm sure that's a website. Don't I, go I, there. I'm not promoting that. I don't know if there that is or not. Okay. I'm pretty sure it is. I, I, got way I, could totally, I could totally write a porn script called Dancing Dicks, <laughs> and it would be a musical. I wonder how much of this is going to get edited out. Good. None of it. I'm keeping None it all in. It. Whatever. Keep the dicks. You know, people like the banter. It's good. I keep getting that. I get so many emails that they want more banter from us. And then I get so many one-star reviews saying, shut, shut up with the fucking I read banter. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like, do I want the emails or the one-star reviews? So I don't confused. know. Yeah. This is very confusing. So do I go to 20 minutes with the banter or do I do 10? And hey, who cares? Whatever. First story we want to talk about. Anytime I get to bucket list, uh, if I ever get to talk to Mike Patton, that would be a huge bucket list interview for me. There's do you think it'll guys. be fun? I don't know if he'd be I, would, I don't know if he would I go with I don't care it. if he told me I was stupid. Mike Patton, Henry Rollins, <laughs> Greg Graffin from Bad Religion. There's these bucket list guys. I think that, Rollins would be friendly. He's actually, he just... Isn't he a fairly friendly, nice he seems, guy? He seems like a... Like, whenever they Patton interview him, he just nice. seems like a nice yeah. guy. Mm. Rollins does. It's just, but he always has that scowl on his face. But when, whenever you put a microphone in Maybe front of his like face, he's very lively. Maybe it's like a permanent, like, bitch face. Yeah. But oh, it's yeah. A scowl face. Yeah. yeah. People permanent have those. face. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Evergreen. We all resting know bitch is. face, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's super beautiful, but damn, that's a resting bitch face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she just always looks unapproachable and mad. Yeah, but she's so. That's beautiful. the point. Yeah, she's no. a lot of people around. Rollins her. has it too. You're right, but I mean, like I said, I, we've got these bucket list guys. But so Mike Patton, in a recent interview, not with me, obviously, because haven't haven't gotten there. But no. too much banter. That's why he said a statement. And I'm going to read it. It's the headline of the uh, thing. Every guy in every band that I've played in is better than me. And from someone that I, that's actually true to me. Every radio or anything I've ever done, everybody is better than me on the actual. Uh, show that I've ever been on. So I feel like I know exactly where he's coming from, but I also feel like, man, he is the voice of of almost a whole generation of, of cult fans, dude. So well, it's like he's... he's, he's you know, I, a, it's nice to hear him be humble, but man, he's got to realize how great well i think we, he is. well here's the thing though he's a singer and he's it's not like, classically trained i know he just kind of picked up on it but man, i think that's, maybe that's where it's coming from where yeah. he's not yeah. classically trained where he's like oh my god somebody like you know chris cornell or somebody or yeah. whatever yeah maybe they've had like vocal lessons and i just yeah. kind of did it Pat on my has own. like perfect tone he just can read the tone he can do yeah. it by ear there's certain guys that have to study to do that and this guy mm-hmm. just gets it the thing is though is whenever he's around 
band members. When he's saying better, I just think he means they're more educated. They know how to get. They know how to speak the language of music better. It's, it's he can like, mimic what they want. Is I think what he was saying in the article. Yes. It's like someone saying, "Hey, be more like this," like and it would be a mood or a movie or something like that. He was saying yeah. in the article, and he he can nail it right away. Because I think that's uh, a gift, though. I think Dave Grohl has that same thing where he calls uh, Taylor Hawkins like a better drummer than him. But I think it's going back to what Gucci is saying is just because they're maybe they're trained, they're classically trained. And on top of that, too, you never want to surround yourself with nothing but the bottom. I mean, this happens in every single art form where if you just if you don't want to be around people that are better than you and you just want to be at the bottom, you're just going to stay at the bottom. Well, that conflict is really good. I know what you're saying. I think the conflict within like a circle of everybody that has a strong personality, I think brings out the best of everybody. And I do yeah. think, and unfortunately, yes, in rock and roll... You gotta be willing to fight. Any any type of performance art, there's always gonna be a little bit of confrontation. There's always gonna be a little bit... Uh, not confrontation, what am I talking about? Competition. It's There's always gonna be competition. You mm-hmm. don't mean it to be competitive, but damn it, you know, I wanna be the best one on stage. I wanna be the best one that night on stage. I wanna be what everybody's talking about. And, you know, it's just all it is is just swallowing his ego. And that's the thing. He understands that. There are some guys out there that are like, no, I know what I'm doing. Just shut your fucking mouth. And that's that. But these guys are like, no, I need somebody that's better than me to get this music going. And to get on their level right. to make it the best thing that we can make. And that's the thing. And then once they're playing music for him, he's like, all right, I think I have a mood for this. And then he takes it and runs with it. That's the one thing that Patton does do the like an amazing job of is he just knows how to nail a mood with the tone and and the power in his voice you know there, there's not a lot the of guys right that, delivery yes yes yeah. he just delivers it so perfectly and there's just some guys out there they just can't do that think about the singers that like you know are like my way or the highway the attitude axel they have. rose, axel rose yeah. scott staff you know mm-hmm. people that were like i don't need anybody right and don't have that humbleness no, like, like what said. happened yeah exactly well axel rose is fine but I'm i know what you're scott saying staff. Scott Stapp, yeah. Um, but there's other guys like that, yeah. you know. And, and to know that Patton has this way, that's why he's in so many interesting and great projects. That's that's. I think that that's a testament to to um, why he can do so many versatile different bands, from Bungle to Phantomas to Tomahawk. Well, that's always you know. been his thing. It's like because he all, trusts and he gets really good musicians, and he he, he trusts he gets he really good musicians, but he also doesn't put all of his eggs in one basket. I mean, this guy definitely he sounds like a planner. You know what I mean? And he also just sounds like he's extremely motivated. Like if some, that's the hard part about a band, you know, that's why you see a lot of two piece bands that are emerging now, because it's just so much easier. One phone call, Hey, come on over or Hey, set up your computer. We're going to start recording some stuff. You got it. Uh, But when you're trying to get three, four, five Mm -hmm. people on the same page, it just starts to become so repetitive. And then like with one person, when it's two people, one person's going to take the lead and the other person's just going to kind of go, all right, I'm going to go with that When Again, in a band, one person could take the lead. Another guy's going to go with it. But then another guy's going to go, oh, uh, wait a minute, why, why are we listening to this guy? And the other guy's going, yeah, why are we listening to this guy? Now, all of a sudden, there's dissent. There's nobody getting into anybody else's ears that way. There's, it's just a good team. That's why it's tough nowadays. When, when, when I interviewed Josh Skogan a couple weeks back, guys, from 68, if you want to check it out, he said, he said he, he explained it best to me. He goes, hey, man, you know what? When it's time to get dinner, I got to talk to one guy. Back in the day, it would be an hour conversation and we still get nowhere. Just about getting dinner. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that makes sense with the two-piece band you're talking about. Obviously, 68 being a two-piece band. And, and I get it. But um, yeah, dude, I, I just I, I love the fact that 
Patton's career is, I think, what any musician or anybody I would be should be jealous of and look after all the different things he's done and everything like that. And, and the, the fact respect that he, he gets. And the respect he, he earned and yeah. gets. You're completely right. But the fact of the matter is... And look is at that, the respect Axl Rose gets. I mean, he's still Axl Rose, but we still kind of laugh at him. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that. I, I do. And no, we still... Here's the thing is that we just don't think that... We think that he thinks he's better than everybody yeah, else. Right, right. And that's and why Patton we laugh. doesn't seem that way. Yeah, yeah and Patton's exactly. not like that. Moving on to the next vocalist story we want to talk about. Confusing uh, comment made by uh, Burton Seabell of Ascension of the Watchers now. He is no longer in Fear Factory for everybody that uh, hasn't been paying attention, but I'm sure you guys know. Uh, and Fear Factory did just make an announcement that I believe on April 16th they'll be releasing a new song. Don't know if Burton's going to be singing on that song, but they do have a new vocalist. Anyways, um, they were talking about music and how important D-Manufacture was to heavy metal in the scene and how it almost started a new genre, yada yada. In this uh, interview that he did, he made a comment about Linkin Park's hybrid theory being like a D-Manufacture for kids. So it's an immature version of that album. And I, although not a huge fan of right. Hybrid Theory myself, I have heard it. I don't even see, like, in any way, shape, or form besides the clean vocals and the rapping vocals, which Fear Factory didn't do on D-Manufacture. I don't even, I don't see the how they're in the same ballpark. You right. guys, yeah, and, like, Linkin Park is more new metal. They're totally new metal. And, and I don't think, I know Fear Factory was new metal by Digimortal, but I don't think in any way, shape, or form was D-Manufacture seen as a new metal I think, album. I just think with the feel of Hybrid Theory uh, and D-Manufacture, I understand what he's saying, because there were some similar effects that they would put into the background just to get some kind of a... Uh, feeling out of it. Um, you know, I think what Linkin Park, you could tell that, yeah, they might have been inspired by it. And I think when that album did hit, everybody was inspired by Demanufacture. That was a huge album. And it was like, and unfortunately, when they say huge, it was groundbreaking. Yeah, it didn't get the it? respect it deserved, but mm -hmm. neither does any groundbreaking artist. It's always the guys after that, like your Linkin Parks, who find something about that album. They find the tone of that album, and now they can apply it to pop music. Mm -hmm. And that just happens. I mean, and I don't want to blame anybody because I, I, I don't like it when artists attack other artists for, for, you know, cherry picking certain things and then putting it into their music. Like, I do think that Elvis was unjustly vilified for stealing rock and roll. I'm like, no, he was already doing rockabilly. Mm -hmm. And all he did was just take a little bit of thing but from Park this world. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like, you want to tear down his legacy? And that's what I'm saying, man. It's like, I don't understand why Burton's got to even say something. Yeah. I feel like Linkin Park was like a transition from, like you said, the new metal bands from the corn to the Limp Biscuits to the Papa Roaches. And then Linkin Park's, you know, kind of coming out from that whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't even see the Fear Factory direct influence. It feels to me when Immortal came out, Fear Factory took a step back to sound like those bands. Right. You know, mm -hmm. not like what they were doing on their earlier work. So it was kind of a weird thing um, because Lincoln Park to me is a, a because of, you know, what happened to Chester Bennington. I feel it's like a touchy subject. I just feel like you shouldn't really talk Especially shit. after yeah, Chester right. died I, yeah, because yeah. there's no way that there's, he can defend himself. And then on top of that, too, when you're talking about when you're talking about demanufacture and then, you know, hybrid theory, again, adding in computer sounds adding in you know distorted bass and all that stuff it's like that wasn't there wasn't too many bands that was doing that so if i'm so if i'm but Burton Burton Bell, didn't have a, a dj where lincoln park no did. i know but they also had a bunch of computer generated sounds that they were putting industrial into sounds yes mm -hmm. industrial that's not sounds. nails that skinny puppy that's right but they took know. it to a different level though i'm just saying like they, I just think that they 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 zeroed in on the tone of that album mm -hmm. and then just made it more poppy or made uh, it like their own. Right, right, and it's like so. I'm not gonna. I don't think it should. I don't think 
I, and I'm sure there's similarities. And I'm sure if you talk to the members of Lincoln Park and ask them about demanufacture, they're all going to say, oh, my God, that record was unbelievable. It inspired me so much. Well, you can't blame the guys for using their inspiration and putting it into yeah. their music. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's popular. And I'm sorry it's more popular than anything you did. Burton, I mean, I'm not trying to, to slam well, on you, but hits, it's the hits. Team Manufacture doesn't have. It's a pop. It's a pop album. It's a pop rock album. Yeah, the hits like I mean, everybody would know Replica and things like right. that. Right, but those aren't those aren't radio songs. Where man, hybrid every theory, like single every song on that album hit radio song. Yeah, seriously, you know, I love that album. Well, it, but when it came out, I was yeah, I was uh, eleven. A, a lot of people love that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in your wheels. I don't I don't have any negative thing to say yeah. about Lincoln Park. I just I never got into them really you know when hybrid theory came out it was a big deal i was 21 i guess i'm, I'm 10 years older mm-hmm. than you about and uh or maybe 22 I, anyways the point is is that uh i just remember when people brought it to me i was just so over new metal i wasn't gonna listen anymore rap I, rock yeah stuff. that because, was me because i'm like dude i'm enough with this because you had the limp biscuits yeah stop throwing the porns, me the head pe records snack. dude i'm good I'm, I'm going down a different route yeah i was going down the swedish mm-hmm. stuff and stuff so i just wasn't into it at that you point. evolved but when i heard it it's not like it, you know it's not like i'm gonna look back and say i don't get why it's popular that's right. the whole point you know when when people scream Limp Biscuits break stuff. Look, man. Lyrically, it's dumb, but I get why people this is of that thing. time liked it. When you, know? you listen to an album like Demanufacture, you you just think how much thought went into something like that. Oh, man. When you listen to a Lincoln Park hybrid theory, you just go... You just they go didn't, they, well, they didn't overthink it. And that's no, a lot emotion. of the problems. Yeah. That's where a lot of artists get themselves in trouble is they overthink it. Lincoln Park was like, ah, we'll take these little things from this album, tiny, tiny, tiny little things of this album, not overthink it. We'll make some easy songs and we'll make some money. Next story, talking about overthinking stuff, guys. Lordy, they're going to release seven new albums in one month. Don't think they overthought anything. That's okay. Name any band, a favorite band of yours, any band, if they dropped seven albums in one month. What, what, would that make you happy or would you be like, what the fuck, dude? I, I would be hesitant because, like, one of my favorite bands is Muse. Yes. So if I, if like Muse started you know, releasing seven albums in one month, I'd be like, mm. it's too much. I feel like it's too much. I feel like they rushed and it's going to be like, well, 70 songs. Let's just say it's a 10 song record. 70 songs at minimum, probably more. I mean, there's gotta be so much filler, man. <laughs> like, what do you think? 70, se- seven, seven albums. I mean, up. well, I mean, when you get an album, you get, you got to take a little bit of time with it. I and when you're throwing, do. and when you're throwing six more albums on top of a new album, that's just far too much. But is, was this all dur- done during quarantine? Yeah. They, they said that the majority of it was written during the quarantine. Okay. They were bored and they kept going. I- I, maybe this is a different circumstance then. Oh, okay. You know, that's fair. because like it, during normal times, when are they ever going to have the time to do that? Uh, but I mean, but if, I don't think they should release it in one month. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm not saying that the music's not there, but to throw that all at one month, unless they fans, do it like a, like a, like a anthology or whatever, like they do it in like, do you think they care about it or they just want to get rid of it? I think the they just want to get rid Maybe. of it. I, I think it's just, that's I think, weird though, I think right? it's just, yeah. that they, I think right now they're just like, Hey, may, there's going to be some people talking about it. I think that I don't, I don't like it when artists rush too much stuff. No, because I, you can hear it in their, in their craft. Yeah, you can hear it in the craft. And then like, why not, why put out, let's put seven albums in a month, maybe 10 songs per album. So like you said, 70, 70 songs a month. It's like, 
you know you could whittle that down and have an incredible, incredible, incredible yeah. album. Pick like, you know, 15 songs out of those 70 oh, songs. Right, and I think that's what helps you. I mean, again, I don't, I'm not a big believer in giving the human race too much choice. I think it just confuses everything. Just like we were talking about with the two-piece band as, as opposed to a three or four-piece band, just deciding where you want to go to dinner is going to take an hour, but if it's two people, it's quick. Yeah. I think this is the same thing. Or, I mean, you know, pick the 15 best songs of those 70 songs and then maybe release the other ones like B-Side. Yeah. Check or, them out later. Or, or, yeah. or yeah, like do the following year. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like it just says like, hey, we're going to give all the fans things that I think maybe Lordy fans are like, this is amazing. Me, say Faith No More, we'll go back to Mike Patton. If they're going to be like, here's seven new records in a month, they'd be like, dicks. Dicks, yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, what, it, what is it this? It gets you a little hesitant <laughs> to want to hear anything. Like, I want to, like, I want to learn the songs and the lyrics. I don't want to just pass them on and then sit on one. But maybe you can buy one every year. I don't know. There's ways around it. What? So for seven, so they're not going to put any new material up for another. Like, well, I'm assuming they just, would. I well, mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Thing. You're just, like, you're just giving people too much. Again, and I didn't think like how many Black Flag albums did they put out there, and how many of them were really good? You know, what I mean, all it's of like them? no. Okay. Fucking no. <laughs> All the stuff with Rollins. No. No. All of it. No. Go buy Black Flag records. Look, I'm not saying not to support Black Flag, but all the records, fuck no, bro. Okay, I have them all. You like got Valley all. Girl on you, I so like he's, uh, he's the serious. spoken word record. Fact which now, which now. was Family Fact Man? Now. That's the one I guess you can pass. The sp- in process of weeding out the instrumental. That one was good though. I don't know. I I thought they were one of the for their short time frame. They were one of the most inventive different sounding bands through all their records so I'm, I'm a fan of all the black flag stuff dead kennedy's too with biafra i like dead kennedy's yes i don't think there's one bad uh record but anyways if, if you gave me seven at once i'd miss the good one how's that right but like, they, i don't they know were, what's good they were putting <laughs> out like uh a record every four or five months black flag yeah yeah well, i mean it was I mean, like EP way too record. much yeah. yeah it's just way too much i think it's different so maybe times. that's what they should you know consider maybe try to follow maybe not have it all in one month but like four to five months and again, if it were like seven EPs, I get it. Sure, but dude, do that. Yeah, EPs. But, yeah, I'm not. Maybe into. like one full album and the rest EPs, or a double album. I say, I say one double album. Okay, and that's it. Leave it at that. But uh, it better have like a theme. I even think a double album is too much for a lot of people. I remember a lot of my friends when Book of Souls came out by Iron Maiden. They were like, they they just thought it was too much for them, yeah. and I thought it was great. It was only 90 minutes, I think. Uh, I still stand by that record as being phenomenal, but um. Or Nostradamus by Judas Priest. Everybody shit on that record. I thought it was great. You mm-hmm. know, I just think it's it's too much to throw at people sometimes because they want something a little more basic. I, and Nostradamus could do some editing. Don't get me wrong. Book of Souls, no. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciated both of those. This, Lordy, all right. I mean, they're just also not the band that you need that many songs from. That's in my opinion. But anyways, moving on to the next story, guys. Before we jump into our interview with Daniel Freiberg from Bodom After Midnight, I don't like this story. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. All right. I don't. I don't know why we're doing this. It, Artificial intelligence wrote a new Nirvana song that sounds just like Nirvana. Now, if you clicked on the article and you heard the song, it sounds like shit. It doesn't sound good at all. It sounds like a computer wrote the song. Oh. Um, and the vocals, which aren't a computer, is somebody actually singing. I think it's from a Nirvana cover band. Sound fine. So if you're a vocal person and you kind of jump on to the vocal side of things, I think you're probably be like, "This is all right." But it's it sounds uh, like a jumbled mess, and I don't like the fact that AI is writing songs now. I've heard not this particular uh, song, but I've heard uh, an AI do a Christmas song, and it sounded creepy. Dude, we are completely 
throw you it away. Still need, you still need humans to do human music because it was terrifying. I'm telling you, man. But why? 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 Wally. We're headed towards Wally. Oh, but he was cute. Yeah. Was super uh, yeah. Cute, and man. guess what? Wasn't cute. All the giant fat fucking people floating around in space. Yeah, We're but, headed towards Wally. Yeah, but Wally was cute too. I don't remember the scene of of fat fucking people floating around. Every, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't the scene. It, it was. was all the people. Yeah. And here's what happened. Oh, oh, I don't remember. It's remember, okay. I saw Wally once. I did like it. It made just, me cry a little bit. Let right? me just. Yeah. It was of sad. course, it's, right. yeah, it's a Pixar. Of course, Pixar movie. It's awesome. But but the thing is, was what happens with Wally is. Is he's a robot that was left behind on Earth because the remaining members of the human race had to fly away in a space, in a spaceship, and try and find a planet to inhabit. So he's, uh, so they leave this robot behind on Earth. Somehow he ends up making his way onto, he finds a plant. Yeah. So he makes his way onto the ship. And the thing is, though, is the ship is controlled by artificial intelligence. So when Wally presents this plant, you know, that showing that plant life can grow, we can go back to Earth now. The, 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 the robot is doing everything it can to not make the people go back to Earth because then he wouldn't have the control over them. But the thing is, is like all it was was just the AI was just feeding these people constant stimulation, constant television. Yeah. They just sat. And they, they were like in pods, right? Yeah, yeah. And they just floated around on pods. There was no exercise. All the people just ended up becoming giant, giant, giant. And it's because, like lazy asses. Right. And lazy asses. nothing. And that's what I'm saying. That's kind of what's happening right here. It's like this isn't that far off. They, 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 the worst, I'll tell you what's really scary they didn't say, uh, I don't care how many computer songs, uh, how many songs a computer can write. That doesn't scare me as much as computers now, AI can now computer code. So oh, they can now that. computer code. They can now write their own thing. They can write their own programs now. And it's only a matter of time until they mathematically say fucking goodbye, human race. That's see true. you later. Have you seen those robots where they uh, like one did like a backflip? And there was another one that like opened a door. Have you seen those? Yeah, I mean, I saw those. Yeah, yeah, it's creepy. And it's like, and again, this maybe is, Gooch is onto something. I, look, Pete hates it. Pete whoa, hates whoa. it when I see. These I feel like the things. consumer is is <laughs> it needs to like be a little more aware. But I I know I agree with you guys that we are we are taking the human element out of a lot of things, everything because the human element is now yeah, considered think, a weakness, and it, it does yeah. bother me even in art form. It's like no, it can't do it better than the computer. It's like shit, man. I no, think, we can't. I think AI should have its robotic hand out of music and all art. Arts. Oh, yeah, uh, all I don't think AI the, should be touching consumer. any kind of fucking art. I don't think AI should yeah. be writing any type of movie script, TV script. And it, again, I don't I don't want any of that shit involved. But, I don't care how yeah. good it is. Get away from no, me. No, normally they're they're not good at all because again, it's like the human element, but it right also now, is, it, okay. 10 years from now, <laughs> think about it. Think about it. Think about how much the iPhone has evolved in the last 10 years. And this is and this is definitely going to be the same thing. Oh boy. You know? I mean, it, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, as 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 bad as the song is, it's still Scary on its way it's advanced like, there's it's gonna be way. bands to be like hey let's put this in we got 10 albums uh, maybe not bands because musicianship still matters in our genre and, and, and jazz yes. and other things um oh when that turnaround comes around they want real musicians again in the world that's gonna be awesome like i mean a mainstream world mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but nope. all the all the uh mainstream pop acts and all that stuff dude why wouldn't they just use this if they're not doing it already yeah. well i mean that's what i'm saying well it's just all the basic shit because what you're trying to do is get a catchy jingle Look, commercial type that's all thing. it is and yeah. this is my thing too and it's like they've done enough studies on enough people and enough brain studies on music and how they react that they could pretty much mathematically nail the one song that could probably be a hit mm-hmm. if you just gave it the chance to get in front of the you know the masses you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying it's like 
again, um, yeah, they could program all these hits from yeah. whatever and just and just math, math and, yeah. and, and by math. And I mean, it's like, and, and here's the thing when you control people and because we're giving everybody all of our information and stuff like Holograms. that, they just, yeah, they just know the, 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 every, every Facebook, Twitter, Instagram thing that you have, you're basically letting them know what you like and they're taking advantage of that and they're just putting you in a category and it's, and, and, and then they're just going to figure out how they can sell you more bullshit. Amazon sent me a thing saying you should own this movie Street Trash. I just bought it. Right. Right away. <laughs> you did? Like, yeah, 179. I don't I was like Street Trash. What is it? I'm buying this and I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's, it's a horrible it's 80s horror it's movie. It's already it's, starting. It's already with starting. Right. Right. And that's what I'm saying. They like know. this this uh, this right here is well, this is right shocking to me that this would ha- this this would get Pete. You got me. Well, this th- is shocking to me. My version would be like Instagram ads cuz I got I saw an Instagram ad of a makeup and I'm like I'm gonna try this. Yeah, and yeah I bought, it, I bought it shirts. I it bought happened to me shirts. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yesterday. bought Cleveland Browns hats. Now every time I'm on Instagram, it's like, hey, here's some brown shit. Here's some so more Cleveland like, Browns gear. Here's yeah, some Indians man. gear. Here's some Cavaliers gear. It's like Jesus Christ, dude. I don't need it. Anyways, human but you, elements. But you do. But I want it all. Hey, consuming makes us happy. I mm-hmm. get it. I get it. But the human element, keep it alive. Yeah, don't do AI. Don't yeah. do it. It's don't support it. It's scary. We're gonna be hooked up. We're gonna be batteries in no time for the Matrix. Hell yeah. No, hell no. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'm a robot already. Oh, no. Whoa, that was a little intense. Yeah, yeah was it was. Like, Whoa, geez. no, you're no. not a robot, Sylvia. All right. Anyways. All right. With that, guys, all right. That's all the doom we can sell right now that we're scared of the future. That's all we got. Anyways, let's jump into our interview with Daniel Freyberg from Bodum After Midnight. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Daniel from Bodum After Midnight. And we are here to celebrate Paint the Skies with Blood, the EP. It's coming out April 23rd. Daniel, let's start with the packaging, the artwork. There's a limited edition, a physical copy. So let's talk about that and how that all came together for mm-hmm. this release. Yeah, well, we wanted to make like a traditional physical copy with the because... We don't have like, um, that's our only release, so we wanted to put a little bit extra on it. So yeah, it comes with a cool limited edition versions. I think there's like a couple of them, vinyls and CDs and stuff. Nice. Yeah. So the artwork, tell me about that. How did that all all come together? And uh, when did you guys start looking at, at putting that artwork together for this release? Uh, that was probably a little bit before we entered the studio and the artwork is done by Travis Smith, who's well known for doing, doing a lot of covers in the scene. So, but this was like, I I think this was initially Walter's idea to get Travis. So we were like, uh, yeah, he's a. He's a really good artist, so we were like in board immediately on board. <laughs> so Walter was the man who was responsible of the. He was like a leading this artwork project with Alexi. Nice. So yeah, it turned out to be quite good. I think it's fantastic. I, I love it. I love Travis Smith's work as well. As you mentioned, he's done so many covers that are really memorable for us. 
Uh, Walter Reef, everybody does yeah. know, is the drummer uh, in the band, also of Paradise Lost. He's been with them for a hot minute. He's been putting out great records. Everything he's done has been perfect in my eyes so far, <laughs> as far as recording goes. But uh, let's talk about the three songs on this record, Bodum After Midnight, mm-hmm. okay? The first one I cool. want to start with is the dissection cover, Where Dead Angels Lie. So tell me about why you guys sure. decided this dissection sh- song was the one you should cover and how it all came about. Uh, this was actually also Walter's idea mm. at first. So he suggested this this song, as, and we were like, uh, well, first of all, we've been uh, fans of this dissection forever since probably when the Storm of the Light Bane came out. And we were, f- at first... We were a little bit like scared that damn can we touch that iconic song <laughs> but uh yeah it's also it's also a song that we kind of wanted to cover but still a little bit afraid to touch it but then again we, we thought about it more and more and um it seemed like a good idea and it was a good challenge to get it sound sound good and nailed it yeah and we didn't want to go too far from the original version we try to stay as faithful as we could to the original but uh, obviously there's a little bit more modern production in our version and keyboards that original doesn't have and of course Alexis vocals which are a little bit different than Jones Jones or how you spell it <laughs> I, I yeah. just I, I don't know what to say his last name. I just said J O N, so I'll just go with John. Yeah, we'll do that. John, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might be able to say his last name better than me. I'm not sure. No, no, Novitstadt. <laughs> nah, I don't know if that's right. Is that right? I have no idea how. No, no how, What's idea. the correct way to spell it? <laughs> <laughs> me too, man. Yeah. So let's go to the second track on the record. Payback's a bitch. Tell me how this one came about. Who started this track and 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 the recording process behind that one? Uh, they, this was like um. The Paint the Sky with Blood was the first song we rehearsed, so this was the second song. This Payback is a Bitch. Um, it was relatively... I actually wrote that relatively fast. And we were like, a, I think, week away from the studio when we got this finally down. So it was... Uh, it was... It looked like it's going to be hurry, but... In the end, we had it together. But um, yeah, that's like a more modern modern song where paint this uh, paint the sky with blood. It's a little bit more old school, mm. and I think the payback paybacks is a bitch is a little bit modern style, more American American style song. Man, I, I love it. So I'll tell you that right now. But you did bring up the classic uh, paint the sky with blood. This is the song that I think. Uh, Obviously, the record, the EP is titled off of it and all that stuff. And it, it is such a strong track that's going to kind of live with us because it is one of the last ones that Alexi did, as we did mention. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the writing of this song and how you knew the magic was there early on when, when this thing was finished recording. So this song, we this took a little bit longer than the two, the payback is a bitch. So this was the first song and uh we were actually, Alex was at first thinking that this shouldn't be the single, that it should be Payback is a Bitch. But uh, the rest of the band were were saying that, no, we want to paint the sky with blood. That's 
that should be a single song. So finally he came through and um, yeah, this was like a lot of work. Paint the Sky with Blood. It, it has like a little bit more going on than Payback is a Bitch. There's uh, obviously I like the blast beats and black metal stuff. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Demo Borger or something. So yeah, and it's it it has a catchy chorus. It's almost like a pop chords in the chorus going on, and yeah, I just this paint the sky with blood is probably my favorite at the moment. Yeah, the whole the whole EP man is is hit after hit. The dissection song, I think a lot of fans won't be familiar with the original at this point, and that you guys bringing it back out is is a fantastic thing because they can revisit the original. I think that's what uh, covers. You know, a lot of times, I think that's what we're hoping to do. It's a tribute in a lot of ways, but it's also, hey, check out this version, you know? And uh, Yeah. I do feel like... Uh, and one of the... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, one of the things about the We're Dead and Just Live was that uh, I think no one has ever covered that song. So that was like a extra fun <laughs> for us to be be the first one who covers that song. Yeah, no, and I, actually, when I talk about talk about Alexi, uh, the last day I saw him, we were talking about that we should play this cover on live, and he was totally on board. But um, yeah, man, obviously that, it won't happen. That will that will be a treat, man. That would have been such a great treat for us fans, dude. Um, mm. just, just fans of the genre, and that's what it is. And and I mean, we're here to celebrate you know, what, what Alexi did and what he left behind and this record and everything and your relationship with them and all the people. I mean, there's not one mm-hmm. thing that people don't say that's extremely positive about Alexi and all that stuff. Um, but you, I mean, you wrote Hexed with him previously in Children of Bodom. You, you were in the band at that point. So tell me the difference between the writing process for maybe some of these songs and uh, when you were doing some songs on uh, Hexed at the time. Well, um, there, there wasn't that much of the difference Alexei's working method is and was pretty much the same. You know, he's very old school guy. He he doesn't do any demos. He don't have any pro tools or any similar systems. He just comes to the he basically writes, you know, inside his head and he comes to the rehearsal place. He he shows everybody their parts and yeah, then we go from here from there and then when it's on the arrangement side the band a little bit uh puts input on the on songs and alexi didn't have always like figured out structure or some details or which part should be should be chorus or verse or (laughs) stuff like that so that that was when the band came in that organic approach sounds very fun. It sounds like what comes off on all the records that you guys put out and, and on this new one for sure. Um, one thing that I, I always want to bring up is how, like when we talk about guitarists, you yourself a guitarist, um, the influence that he had, I think, is is very impactful. But one thing he did do before um, he, you know, the unfortunate passing was the 100 Guitarists from Hell. Did you participate or see that gig? when he did that out there? No, I was not part of the gig, or I didn't actually even see that. So. Oh, man, okay. So, no. <laughs> yeah. it was... I think I saw a video of it, but uh, 
Yeah, the, it's a long time ago. I don't remember that much. Yeah, the concept, though, for people that don't know, there was 100 different guitarists, and it was almost like a, he composed this whole thing with all these different guitar parts. To have an ear to be able to put that together, I thought, was extremely special. Um, yeah, pretty what, crazy. Was there any moments, maybe, where he was giving you a guitar lesson or he was teaching you how to do anything that you can share with us on the show? Uh, he didn't give me a lessons like directly, mm-hmm. but, uh, of course, always when I, we have these like sessions, we had band practice sessions. Then we had like guitar sessions where we would check out the guitars before we entered the studios. So just detailing stuff and make sure that everything works and harmonies are on spot on and stuff like that. And, um, on those sessions, I le- learned a lot of him. So it was pretty amazing, amazing how he, especially his ear for harmonies, you know, how he composed those. And yeah, Man. he was such, such just a super talent, talented guy, a musical guy. So yeah, yeah. but uh, it's, it's hard to like uh, point out what did I learn from him because it's, it's like a little bit here and there and <laughs> yeah absolutely no I, I totally get it the influence just kind of spreads around and and yeah I, exactly I, i'm so grateful like just as a fan and again I, i'm not going to get sad or anything like that because alexi did from the age of 17 all the way until his unfortunate passing give us fans so much music 10 records this ep you know all that stuff is fantastic you as a fan what was the first Children of Bodom record that you got into um, yeah, as you were kind of growing up into the music scene? Mm. Uh, the first one I heard was Something Wild. Mm. So when it came out, like, 97 or 98, I'm not sure. But, yeah, that was the first one I I, I heard about heard from them. But uh, I think it was the Hate Breeder which really got into, into the band, you know. Mm-hmm. I was That was like a... For me, total, totally different level <laughs> of playing or songwriting than the first one. So that was like a huge imba- impact to me. So what song did you get to perform live off of Hate Breeder for the first time in your mind was just kind of like, wow, this is crazy. I'm actually playing this song. Probably Downfall. Mm, nice. But we actually played, there was one show that we played all the songs from Hate Breeder except two. So yeah, that was fun. <laughs> oh, beautiful, man. Oh, damn. Yeah. And that's something that I think a lot yeah. of people got to realize is that being a fan and then coming into a band, it's like a dream come true. It's kind of like pinching yourself. Um, and did you have that yeah, feeling? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you came in, when you finally were, hey, you're an official member, did you, you had that feeling where like, man, I get to play side by side? Uh <laughs> kind of one of the heroes, man, of, of, of our genre, you know, all the way through. Well, it's kind of funny that at the time I really didn't think about it. But now, of course, after everything, it's it feels great that I got to be a part of that band. But when you when I was there, actually, I was pretty much, you know, so busy to learn my parts and, you know, focused on my on my playing and stuff that I do a good work. So it really didn't have time to think about stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, of course now it feels very good. 
Yeah, man, you it's know, it's I, a great part to be a part of that history for sure, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm proud to be a part of that band for a, just even just for a moment, but I'm still, yeah. Now, Hexed fans loved it. Great record, you know, mm. kind of turned around uh, a lot of things, and, and it just seemed like the momentum was going forward for a lot of things. How did you guys feel about that record um, when it was written and recorded, and you being your first, you know, Children of Bodom record that you were, you performed on, how did you guys feel about the momentum of that record going in? Uh, I think it's a good album still, mm. and I think it was a little bit um, kind of a step up from the previous album, I think it's better than I Worship Chaos, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's still songs I'm like, I, I like, like This Road, and uh, that's one of my favorite songs. And Under the Grass and Clover. And yeah, it's it's still a good album. I just actually listened to it. Fantastic. A while ago. Oh, yeah. I've been listening to it nothing but. Even the records I thought were like, eh. I'm like, wow, this is a lot better than I remembered. Like, I, I worship chaos is actually one that I was like kind of into a little bit, but not really. Even revisiting that, man, it's just, it's just, it takes on a different. After years go by, I guess your ears just kind of take on a different role. And um, there's not one, <laughs> yeah, there's not one uh, Chill in the Bottom record as I stand today that I, I don't think is, you know, we're lucky to have for sure. You know, and that's yeah, it's hard to say for a band after ten records for for sure, man. Now. Writing songs, obviously, the songs uh, we can see how good you guys are collaborating, obviously, with these Bodom After Midnight songs because they're mm-hmm. really tight, they're really well put together, the energy is there. So, when you were writing Hex, what was the first song that you collaborated on with uh, Alexi and that you felt like you were kind of testing the waters to see what, what, what can go and what can't go? Can you tell us that? Um, well, on Hex, personally, I really I was like, you know, observating. I didn't really give give much input unless he asked that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was like a only the final stages when we were checking guitars. He asked if I had like any ideas for this and maybe a lick or some harmony to this or that. So I then I like uh, suggested a few things and. He actually took it like very well, and he he wanted to use those in the album. So, so yeah, I was a little bit surprising because I <laughs> I had this uh, I I thought that Alex was a guy that who never wants everybody else's ideas, but uh, it turned out to be it wasn't just it wasn't the case. So yeah, I was positively surprised. Nice. Now, you were talking about the harmony, and when we go back to Bodom After Midnight, everybody, I want to remind you guys, the EP, Paint the Sky with Blood, it's coming out April 23rd. Make sure mm-hmm. you're pre-ordering it, guys. Limited editions are available right now. These little box sets, excellent. Vinyls, everything. This is the time to pick that stuff up, guys. And um, the, in, in the title track, there's this dual, like we were talking about harmony, dual guitar harmony between you and Alexi. Tell us about how that played out and how you guys wrote that, that's, that part together. Alexi writes those, gotcha. basically, and uh, I think the first uh, the harmony in the intro that's completely Alexi's. He played all the the I mean both of these lead guitars, but yeah, then there's like a uh, there's a 
two solos. There's actually Alex's and mine, and there's like a little lead after the solo, which was um, my idea. So yeah, there's a little bit more input from me than in the Hexed album. Yeah, it's and it's, also actually, yeah, it's a very guitar-driven song, and I, that's why I think it's such a great kind of outro to to the career and everything that Alexi did give us right there. So with that, the absolutely. Bo- yeah, Bodom After Midnight, uh, the future, we're all assuming that this is the only release we're going to get. Um, but, you know, playing songs live, like Paint the Sky with Blood mm. and, and some of the songs uh, off the Bodom catalog, I mean, that's always going to be something fans are going to clamor for. We've seen it with Death to All work out really well um, when there is a just a, a legacy that someone leaves behind. Would you be open to doing something like that, maybe touring and playing almost like a celebration of Alexi's songs and career? Uh, anything is possible. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying that won't never happen, but um, it's something that isn't our, in our minds right now, especially because of this corona situation and who knows when these shows are actually even possible. But yeah, that, that could be something... Um, that could happen in the future sometime. But um, let's see. I'm not promised anything. <laughs> no, I totally understand. Totally understand. So with that, what is the future right now looking for you as far as uh, music and stuff? You know, you were in bands previously before starting up in Bodom. Um, obviously, Bodom After Midnight was really exciting for all of us fans to get that, that project going. That stopped. But where? what's next for, for you, Daniel, do you feel? Uh, I've been working on a project for a while now, and actually, we're in the middle of recording an album right now. We've been doing that uh, here and there for a while, and it's going to have a very um, established Finnish musicians. So I'm actually quite excited about that. So, but we haven't really announced that yet. No, don't, yeah, no worries about and, uh, that. Yeah, yeah. It's probably, I hope that by the end of the year, we have something to tell. <laughs> but uh, keep your keep your eyes and ears open. Excellent. There might come something. Yeah. Excellent, man. So um, what other uh, promotional aspects do you feel you guys can kind of do to just kind of get us all excited about these songs you put out after Bo- for Bodom After Midnight at this point? Hmm. Let's see. Well, probably these interviews are the most biggest promotion we're going to do. Mm. And um, if that's what you meant. Um, well, so we're I, not probably, or can you, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there, is there maybe plans of maybe putting out a live release or anything like that? Is Do you want to put out anything oh. else, like as far as like, you know, just to promote, the, these songs in any fashion any other way or is this kind of like uh mm-hmm. is this kind of kind of going to be it for for the minute for a while here yeah i think it's going to be it um yeah. there's there isn't like any live live material to release and and we don't have like any leftovers or or so this is 100 percent all we have man so. uh, it's good it's good yeah. so i'm not greedy it's, I'm excited. Um, again, I, 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 I wish know. there was more, but yeah, no, I think, I think we all say that, but you know, I, I've said it before. 
you're you're going forward. You know, Waltery. He's he's in. Uh, I don't know. How I say his name right. So I tried to when I when I was talking with. Nick yeah, Holmes. that's perfect. Walter. Walter. Okay, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> he's going on with Paradise Lost, man, and and everybody's still they're going forward in their careers, and this was a great stopgap, and you know, um, I think it's just a beautiful thing, and these songs are gonna. Like I said, I couldn't, I can't stop listening to the stream that was sent to me, and I'm just really proud of what you guys pulled off here, man. It's really, really, really great, and um, yeah. So with somebody like me, yeah, nice to hear. I've, I've seen Alexi live uh, numerous, numerous times, you know, with Bodum, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, as a fan, it, 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 you can't, you can't express the words of of the, the 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 connection you have when those songs are played and that person's on that stage, and I, I mean. Just like a lot of guys, like the Peter Steeles I saw in my life, Dimebag Daryl's, Alexi's another one of those that I, I feel so uh-huh. lucky and so blessed to even, you know, got uh-huh. to do that. And, uh, you know, everything you put out for me as a fan is is, is truly, like, I'm just really grateful, man, if, if I can say that. And, and uh, Hexed was an excellent record, and I feel like, oh, if you guys got to put out a 10-album song here, it would have been something really special for us. But, hey. Yeah. You know. And I think this EP shows that Alexi he was still top of top of his game. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, and, man. Uh, he so, still got got it. With that, is there? Um, and I know you've done a lot of interviews, and I know that this question's probably always been brought up a lot. And you might be sharing similar memories, but is there a memory on just a friend basis that you can share with us and the fan base to kind of just explain how kind of the kind of guy Alexi was? You know, for us who never got to know him personally. Um, probably not any, anything I could tell right now, but I I like to think that, you know, the whole time I knew him was one big memory. So, so yeah. Nice, man. Nice. All the time we had and all the work we did together, it's, it's, it's one, one great memory to me. So. Dude, that's good. And that's lucky. Yeah. And uh, I think us fans can say the same thing when we go back on the, the Bodum catalog and all the interviews with, that are out there with Alexi um, and everybody out there that got to, to chat with him and listen to his songs and his music. And everybody out there, this is the final release from Alexi, man. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering it. Paint the Sky with Blood. I'm telling you, the two original songs are excellent. The dissection cover, nobody's done it before to our knowledge, but they knock it out of the park. It's a great, great, great three-song EP. And uh, just really happy that it's coming out, man. April 23rd, everybody. Make sure you pre-order it. So with that, Daniel, I want to thank you so much for calling in. To the hey, Sucks thanks for having me. Well, it was uh, great to talk with you.
Metal Sucks Podcast. Do the 
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard, the title track of the three-song EP, Paint the Sky with Blood. It's coming out April 23rd, guys. That is Paint the Sky with Blood. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering these songs and these records. As we talked about in the interview, there's some special limited edition uh, packaging you guys definitely want to get your hands on. Second song you heard is the latest from the band Endseeker. That song is called Unholy Rites, and their new album, Mount Carcass, is coming out April 16th, guys. And the third song you heard... I believe is the first song by this band in six or seven years. That's Devil Sold His Soul. That track is Burden. Their new album, Loss, is out right now, and it really caught me off guard. It's it's a fantastic record, guys. I didn't didn't expect to like it as much as I have. So if you haven't checked out that, that record, Loss, Devil Sold His Soul is the name of the band. Make sure you guys are checking that out. With that, I want to thank everybody out there on the good old Apple iTunes for the five-star reviews. That's all we ask for as a program. That's all we ask for. On this show, it's just if you guys can take your little iPhones and go to the podcast that you're listening to and go five star, boop. no comments just needed. A little boop, just a little boop. A little That's boop. it. That's all we care for. That's what we fight for. We fight for five star reviews. You, um, you what? We <laughs> fight. We fight for those. We, we, we fight for. The, we fight. We fight for you. He got a little stroke there. We'll fight you if you don't give us a five star. Is that what you were trying to say? I feel like I get a little stroke <laughs> in every episode. That's what I'll say. He gets a little strokey. It's allergies, man. Yeah, buddy. I, I know. I'm, I'm fighting sucking boogers. Okay, yeah, I did. That's right. I did it. Oh, it's gross. the worst. It's the worst. I feel you, man. I don't like phlegmy pee. I'm sorry, man. Anyways, um, and also, guys, make sure to check out our other podcasts, the documentary discussion podcast, uh, Rise to Offend. Uh, this week, we will be doing Chuck Schuldiner of Death. So, metal fans, if you guys want to hear three parts, three hours, maybe more. Uh, on on Chuck and his story, it's, it was a great episode. We really had a lot of fun talking about him and revisiting that whole catalog. So that will be up in about a week or two, guys. But with that, guys, until next week, the Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.